Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Metadata. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 210 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. First of all, thanks to Text Expander for sponsoring our show. Communicate smarter with Text Expander. Gather, perfect, and share your knowledge. Recall your best words instantly and repeatedly. Learn more at textexpander.com forward slash podcast. And we'd also like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted, pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit servenow.com to learn more. In our last episode, we discussed whether you should be ready for Reddit. In this episode, wait, Tom, again, we have a breaking story. Another breaking story. And it's an exclusive uh, that we're able to break. The uh, Kennedy Mile Report announces the news that the second edition of our book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, is now available in the ABA online bookstore. However, in this episode of the podcast, we decided to dive into some of the practical aspects around the latest Facebook brouhaha and the latest round of people saying that they will now quit Facebook once again. Again, and they really mean it this time. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be discussing Facebook, Cambridge Analytica, and the practical steps that you could or should be taking to protect your privacy and your data, no matter what social network you might be using. In our second segment, we're going to make a quick few observations on ABA Tech Show 2018 and the Solid West Conferences. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, Facebook. It is hard to ignore what happened in the past couple of weeks with Facebook because all the news outlets, both print and uh, otherwise and electronic, seem to be completely obsessed with it. In a very brief summary, we'll say that a company called Cambridge Analytica actually was in the news a couple of years ago for demonstrating how well and how successfully it used big data and data about lots of people to uh, successfully advocate on behalf of certain political candidates. It has come to light in recent weeks that they were able to obtain information on the estimate is around 50 million Facebook users, really only by going to a couple hundred thousand Facebook users who would answer questions online and by doing so gave the analytics company access to other users. They've been banned now from Facebook. Facebook is facing not only a significant decrease in their market cap, but they are also uh, looking at investigations. They're looking at ways to protect information. And I think that what uh, we've seen a lot of hashtag delete Facebook on Twitter, which is, seems to be the usual response whenever Facebook or some other social media network uh, goes crazy and bizarre. Dennis, why is it that what we're learning about Facebook is really no big surprise to us, but why is it that you never seem to have any sympathy when people discover to their horror that they have revealed all sorts of personal information on social media? 
Well, I mean, I think in fairness, there have been stories about this kind of stuff forever. Seems like in Facebook, seems like every couple of years that uh, somebody discovers that, you know, they're sharing information in ways they didn't expect, even though most of the times you get asked these days about how you want to share things. I think that it is interesting, Tom, that a lot of the news outlets, mainstream media and otherwise, have seen Facebook become a major competitor. And so it's not surprising that they've jumped all over the story. So, you know, there is some question about how much is really there. But I think it's a great time to remind ourselves about what you need to do when you're on social media and in otherwise using the internet to protect yourself or, or to reach a sort of reasonable accommodation with what you're actually sharing in return for what you get. So I, I guess I don't have sympathy because I'm reminded a lot of people who routinely use weak passwords, they don't update their programs, they use poor security techniques, and then are surprised when they get hacked. So I I think that social media, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, they've been working over the years to provide people with more controls over what you share, how you set things up, um, how you monitor what's going on. And people just don't seem to take, uh, to avail themselves of the tools that are there. So I guess that I'm just reminded of that uh, great uh, scene from Casablanca of when people are shocked, just shocked that there's gambling going on. And so I don't know, maybe, maybe time I'm being too, too harsh, but I mean, these stories have been around for years and the tools are here. So I, I guess I'm a little less patient these days or sympathetic with people. So I'm not going to totally defend either the lawyers who we usually talk about as ignoring security issues for their computers. I'm not going to completely defend them, but I I think I'm going to distinguish the behavior here at least a little bit in part. Here's how I see it a little bit differently. I see people who use weak passwords and who don't update their programs and who, you know, get malware on their computers as more of a willful ignorance. It's that they've been told that these things are going on. They ignore them to their peril. And those are common sense security measures that I think people should all be taking. And I, and I think that's more of a willful ignorance aspect. But the difference, though, is when we talk about Facebook, when we talk about any social media platform, the emphasis is on sharing and they want you to share. And so because that seems to be the default, people are going to automatically reach for the default and go for that. So I don't totally blame folks from doing that. I think that those who are surprised that they're sharing a lot more information than they intended to share, or maybe maybe that they're sharing it with more people or with more companies than they intended to share is probably the better way to put it. You may point out that there is a willful ignorance to not paying attention to the settings in Facebook and being able to be more granular and control the information is very similar, but I, I don't know. I sort of distinguish it because I think that once you're out on a social network and you're encouraged to share, then that whole attitude of sharing can kind of take you over And it's kind of hard to pull out from that. Yeah, I mean, I guess I I don't want to go into the blame game on this stuff. I think it's more important. And and what I wanted to do with this show, what we both want to do is to say, hey, what should people do? And I think that the main thing is this delete Facebook thing. So is, I guess the real question is giving Facebook the death penalty a serious option. Or are we just locking the barn door after the personal information cows have already run away. 
so I think that I I don't know that going off of Facebook is going to be this miracle cure. And I think in a lot of things we have relationships, we have friendships, business relationships. A lot of people. I was listening to the podcast today saying a lot of uh, people in the world charities and nonprofits really depend on Facebook for keeping their audience together and informing people. So the idea of uh, leaving Facebook is not realistic in a, in a lot of cases. And it's tough to note, Tom, I, some of the people who are talking about leaving Facebook and deleting it are talking about moving over to Instagram, which, as you will point out, is somewhat ironic. Well, it's somewhat ironic, but not completely ironic. I mean, it's it's interesting that we've seen calls by uh, the creator of WhatsApp, who actually is owned by Facebook, was one of the ones who said to delete Facebook. Elon Musk, the founder of Tesla, has deleted all of Tesla and his company's related Facebook pages. But I know that he was never a fan of Mark Zuckerberg at uh, Facebook. But I agree with you. I don't plan on quitting Facebook. Although I will say that for people who are probably addicted to social media, and there are lots of people who are like that, you know, maybe taking a break from Facebook isn't a bad idea. Maybe deleting it and seeing how that changes your life in the analog world isn't necessarily a bad idea. But, you know, granted, I was never one of the people who took all those personality quizzes. I may have taken one or two. I may have given information away that I didn't intend to give away. But my primary purpose on Facebook has always been to keep up with what my friends are doing. And if I get rid of Facebook, I lose that channel and that option. There are a lot of friends that I couldn't or wouldn't keep up with otherwise. And and as long as Facebook is about that, and I think it's about many different things to many different people, all that have a value. You describe, you know, communities online that wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to communicate with each other if it weren't for Facebook. So I don't have any plans to quit it anytime soon. I would say, though, that moving to Instagram to me, and I'm talking about this at a very high level, seems to be a less risky proposition. You're not plugging into any apps. You're not giving information away to third parties the, the same way that you would do it with Facebook. I understand that Instagram can probably scrape data the same way that Facebook can. They can tune the photos so they can tell where you are and monitor your location and that sort of thing. But I would argue, whether it's a feeble argument or not, I'd argue that the information on Instagram is is a lot less, uh, they're, they're collecting a lot less information than they do on Facebook. So if you're looking for a lesser of two evils, I don't know, Instagram might be an option for that. Well, Tom, the point I was going to make about Instagram is it's actually uh, owned by Facebook. Right. So I understand uh, that. I'm just I get the <laughs> distinction, but to me, it's a less invasive, a less invasive Facebook, maybe. Well, I, I just an example to me of people who haven't really thought through the consequences of what they're doing. So anyway, I, the practical approach, Tom, I think is a four-step process. So one, know what permissions you have given and are giving first of all. Second, understand what is actually being collected about you. Third, match the settings to what you want to accomplish, how private you want to be or how public you want to be. And then to, you can call it vigilant, be vigilant or to check those repeatedly, but it's a process. And and I think that you do those things and that applies to all social media, not just Facebook, that you're going to be in, in pretty good shape. And to me, it's all about the settings. I mean, settings give you tons of power 
to control many different aspects of your presence on on these tools. And so I say if you're if you aren't familiar with the settings and you don't know where to find them, then you actually are the problem. I mean, I think that's part of your problem. I mean, I think that um, I'm going to go through those I think are the good practical things to do. Let me go through some of my tips that, uh, you know, some are fairly radical. Some are things you may not want to do. But if your goal is to minimize your footprint on Facebook, here are a couple of things to think about. One is Keep your details sparse. The the fewer details in your profile, the less they can learn about you. You know, you can let people know where you work, but do you need to know, let them know that you started working a certain year? Do you need to let them know that your favorite drink is Coca-Cola? I mean, obviously, if you don't care about that, then it's okay to let them know that. You know, by keeping your activity to a minimum, do you really have to like everything, every single post that you see? Because every like means something to some advertiser that's out there. Do you have to respond maybe to an event that you know you're not attending? Do you care about that? By being smart about how you respond, that also limits the information that you're providing from them. You know, one of the articles that I read said that maybe one way to keep Facebook from tracking you is to uninstall those mobile apps. I I frankly think that takes a lot of the fun out of Facebook, especially if you're going to share the details of your life when you're out of the house. But they certainly can't track you if you're only accessing Facebook from one place in your house. Get out of groups that you don't need anymore. Go and look at the groups you've joined. Do you really need to be in all of them? Um, Are there friends that you don't follow anymore, friends that you could, you know, I occasionally go through and I prune out people that I either don't talk to anymore or haven't been close to. And and my Facebook group is relatively small. I think we're going to talk about disconnecting the third party apps in just a minute. So I'll hold that. But one of the actual really interesting uh, tips that I found is that if you've noticed this before, if you go out on the internet, Facebook puts a tracker on your computer so that even when you leave Facebook, it follows where on the web you visit. So, you know, you might go out out and search for some new glasses on the internet, and then you come back to Facebook and suddenly there's an ad for Warby Parker glasses right in your feed, and you're wondering why and how did they know that I was searching for glasses on Warby Parker? Well, it's because they're tracking you. One of the ways to deal with this is to go to um, a website called YourAdChoices.com, and you can opt out of the advertising tracking on Facebook. There are about 135 other services that will track you. You can opt out of all of them with, I think, one click, frankly, or you can choose the ones that you want to opt out on. Now, the only problem with this is that it works on a browser-by-browser basis. So if you use multiple browsers or devices to surf the web, unfortunately, you're going to have to run this tool on all of them because it doesn't just know who you are. It just knows how you're accessing the internet. So it's a great tool to stop Facebook from tracking you, but uh, it's a little little bit of a pain to have to uh, to deal with that. Dennis, have you um, did you go through and look at any apps that you had connected to your Facebook account as yeah, part of did. this? Yeah, I did. Step back one step from where you start, Tom. I think all your suggestions are are really good. But I'd say go to the settings and, and just work your way through every single one of them and figure out what the implications are and then make decisions to, consistent with your comfort 
and then the risk benefit equation that you have on on Facebook. So yeah, I did look at the apps, and and this is the thing that really struck me in in some of the things I was reading, where people were saying, I found out I had hundreds of apps accessing my data on Facebook, and when I went into the settings, I saw this. I couldn't believe them because they're you know two hundred, three hundred, something like that. Well, on mine, I go in there, and it's the same number it's always been. There are four of them. There are four things I explicitly gave access to. I look at that from time to time, and and it it's just striking to me that that people don't pay attention to that. So I, I think that you want to look at those things, and you want there are certain things that I know, Tom. You and I have a completely different view of location information. I never give permission for location tracking, even though it's it causes some inconvenience when when I'm traveling. There are other things that just there are people who are comfortable with location, but they're not comfortable with something else that I am. But on those apps things, there's just no reason that even while you're listening to this podcast, not to go into into the settings and see what apps there. And I. I know it's going to be the games, the gambling things, the things that friends of yours sent that you decided to install, and you just didn't pay attention to to what sort of access you were giving them. Well, but it's not just that. And so I'll, I'll, I'll say, Dennis, you're talking about me because I went to go look at how many apps. And guess how many I had? I had over 300 apps that were connected to my account because I don't do like you do. I don't go in. I'm, I'm like everybody else that we talk to. I, I don't go in and I prune those apps very often. I, I want to. I think about it. I just don't ever go do it. I went in and I pruned them and I pruned them down to 45 of services that I trust or at least trust more than the other ones. Most of the things that I pruned are things that I never use. I don't know why I use them. But here's the thing that makes Facebook hard to deal with, which is that Facebook has made itself an indispensable tool all over the internet as being a way to sign in to a particular site. When you don't want to have to create a password, when you don't want to have to worry about logging in, you just click that login with Facebook and boom, you're in and it's so simple and it's so convenient. But what it does is, is it connects that service to your Facebook account. And so that becomes one of the apps that's there. And so that's part of the reason why people have lots of apps. If you don't use that service, you don't have to worry about it. You can have the three or four apps that are like that. I tend to be one of those people who strive or who move, go for the convenience rather than, uh, rather than trying to get a password in. And that doesn't mean that I don't go back later and create a stronger password. It just means that sometimes I want to go faster. But I, I will say that's an issue. And um, and it's an issue that I've addressed. I probably haven't gotten down to the three or four that you've got, but I feel a lot better about my apps now that I've cleaned them out. Well, and I think that that if, you, if you've made the decision to use Facebook, LinkedIn, or Google as a universal identity tool, and there are benefits to that, then your your approach is going to change. Tom, I wanted to I wanted to talk about th- just quickly three things I thought were really important as a way for people to kind of understand what's happening, you know, what's happening with their own accounts to kind of and advise people to kind of keep up with the stories and sort through what's current, what's what are corrections, what myths are out there. But I think it's pretty straightforward to find out what Facebook knows about you and your advertising presence, our preferences. So go take a look at those. I, you know, if you have time and want to do that, there's, I, 
there's no reason not to download your Facebook data and take a look through it. I did that today. People have learned some things. And then I think there's the the thing that you talked about as well. I think that we kind of worry about what Facebook knows about us when we, if we're slappy about friends and what the personal stuff we disclose, the the friends and friends of friends, we may be disclosing immense amounts of information that if we thought about it, we wanted want to do. And then, Tom, you and I always talk about the quizzes that basically with questions that are designed to elicit what the answers are to common security questions. So you just need to use your head out there. Yeah, I think really that the bottom line for our advice is just use common sense and use Facebook for communicating with your with your friends. But really think about who's asking these questions and who could get to the answers of these questions that you're providing information on. And and hopefully you'll make that right decision. All right. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. Text Expander helps you communicate smarter. You get home from an event where you've met some potential clients. You create a text expander snippet with a follow-up message, use fill-in fields for the contact name and custom topic, quickly produce personalized emails to everyone by expanding and filling in your snippet, share your snippet with colleagues, and everyone gets done faster. Visit textexpander.com forward slash podcast for 20% off your first year. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. I've recently been to both ABA Tech Show 2018 and the Solid West Conference. Tom co-chaired ABA Tech Show this year. We thought we'd take just a few minutes in the in our B segment to to reflect on some of the highlights from those conferences. Tom, have you recovered from co-chairing Tech Show and had time to draw any conclusions? I have mostly recovered from Tech Show. And if I'm guessing correctly, I think we're both going to talk about these conferences as things that lawyers ought to be attending if they aren't already attending them. And, and as you say, because I was co-chair, I tend to be a little biased. My report will be a little one-sided. But I do have to say that our first year in a new venue, most of the things that could go wrong when you move to a new venue didn't go wrong. And I would say that the transition was pretty close to flawless. So uh, I, we got lots of positive uh, feedback. Uh, lots of people enjoyed it. We had a lot more people attending this year than in years past. Here were the highlights for me. One, the vast majority of people I talked to really liked the new uh, Hyatt. Once you got to the conference area, it could take a little while to get there. But once you get there, it was so close to the vendor floor. The vendors pretty much overwhelmed prefer this vendor space to our old location. Um, I continue to believe that TechShow is the premier technology conference for most lawyers, but particularly solo and small firm lawyers. And that's really because of the educational content. You just won't find the volume of solid 
on-point legal technology content. There's always a few that don't live up to expectations. We're always going to have that. But for the most part, our speaker and session ratings have been shown that, that our content was really strong this year. I was especially happy with this year's Startup Alley, where we invite legal tech startups to pitch their product. Last year, we had a good crowd. This year, we had a great crowd. They packed an even bigger room than we had before, learned about some great legal tech startup companies. I will say it again, Tech Show is really about the personal interactions that make this conference so well. I know, Dennis, that you didn't attend a single session, I don't think, and I didn't attend a single session either, except for the ones that I presented in, but I still felt like I got a lot out of it. I think that's how most people feel about Tech Show is I think you get a lot out of just being there around people who have the same energy and the same desire. So I'll just say a reminder that Tech Show 2019 is earlier this year, February 27th through March the 3rd. Again, at the Chicago Hyatt, make sure your calendar is blocked out for those dates. And there there ends my ad for ABA Tech Show. Dennis, tell us about the Solid Conference. Well, I do want to echo that I had a really fun time at, at Tech Show and time, as you mentioned. Once again, I learned that you can learn tons of conferences in, in the hallways and on the exhibit floor. But I went to Solid the Solid West Conference with David Cowan uh, put on in San Francisco uh, a week after Tech Show. And it was two completely different audiences, frankly. And uh, and I was excited from both conferences in, in different ways. But so Salad is about innovation, and we had the, the chief and a focus on chief innovation officers was one of the the themes of, of Salad West. So about 150 or 175 people, in house, large firm, legal technology companies as well. So very high end discussions, uh, a lot of really interesting things happening out there. Got to meet a lot of great people, and they have the opportunity to work with them on um, some projects going forward as we form groups out of this. So it was a great day of the TED Talk styles, five to seven minute presentations um, with time to sit at a table with people and discuss what had happened in, in earlier conversations. So a great way to meet people, learn what was going on, and uh, really uh, just a great conference for me. So I, I there's going to do a solid East, I think, probably this fall. And so pay attention to that space because uh, there's some really cool things coming out of there in, in innovation. Now it's time for our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. So my parting shot this week, uh, this episode, is for a Chrome extension called CrossCheck. In a day an age where fake news is uh, apparently more uh, available than we'd like it to be, CrossCheck tries to scrape all the news sites that are out there and make sure, and, and, they, and actually try to check that the news article that you're reading has either been quoted in other places or has validation in other places, or this is just the only place where it's being quoted, in which case you might want to view it with more skepticism. And so it collects it news from all over the web and it compares it. Once you go to a website, it compares the article you're reading to uh, its database and you click on a button and it will give you its cross-check score. 
score. The higher the score, the more uh, likely to be accurate and factual. The lower the score, the more likely to be fake news or at least inaccurate or, or, or wrong. It isn't free. I think you get the first hundred free and then you've got to pay for it. So I'm not sure about the total utility of this, uh, of this extension. I'm not sure that I will use it for very long, but I like the fact that people are starting to look at ways to make it easy for us to be able to distinguish what's true, what's not true. And, uh, and, and I, I like the direction that, that a extension like CrossCheck is going. It's at crosschecked.io. Uh, reminds me of some of the potential of artificial intelligence too, as as time goes along, hitting uh, you know some of those same issues. So my I have two. Uh, one, not surprisingly, Tom is uh, again mentioning that uh, the new edition of our collaboration tools and technologies book is available on the ABA online bookstore. And I also want to mention a blog called Snarky Nomad, which is snarkynomad.com. And this is one of these travel sites with a guy who's really into travel, but especially the tools of travel. So, and he's updated uh, his reviews of uh, bags and especially clothing, which is great because I'm really fascinated in, in this, all these new travel clothes, which then you can use for non-travel as well. But so there's a lot of good stuff on uh, these great merino wool uh, shirts that I've started like travel pants with the extra zippered pockets and, and uh, you know, really comfortable, fast drying. So really detailed reviews and you're going to spend money probably after you, after you read <laughs> some of these reviews. But, uh, but it's great because he's so thorough and it, it's really helpful in identifying some cool things that you probably didn't know existed otherwise. I am already subscribed. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on LinkedIn, on Twitter, or you can call us. Remember, we like your voicemail questions for our B segment. That number again is 720 So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.